We're going to choose something new today. Just stand, please, and we're going to recite a, a scripture together in unity as brothers and sisters. Today I chose the Lord's Prayer to uh, read together. Uh, the, the, what the Lord has put in my heart is each week we'll, put, uh, we'll pull up a scripture that comes to my mind for us to read together as a church body. So nice and slow, no rush as we go through this verse. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. If you're here for the very first time, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and absolutely blessed that you're here with us and for those online watching. May you be blessed today as we open up God's word and his Holy Spirit uses his word to speak to your heart. Now, as we go and we start, let me start by saying to you um, how blessed <laughs> uh, that I am I, I, by so, so many people who have made it clear to me how much they were looking forward to the study of the book of Revelation. Now, do you know what that makes me think, don't you? It automatically makes me think the fact that this is your favorite book, just like mine. <laughs> I just know. It just, I, I've never been overwhelmed by a, a book that is my favorite book, and it seems to be yours as well because you've been looking forward to it. didn't mean to disappoint you last week with the, the, uh, the, uh, the study on fatherhood, but I, I, Lord, really put on my heart to make sure I did that study. Um, and, uh, and I heard many were blessed by that, and I was very thankful, and praise God. At the same time, I'm very, uh, very aware <laughs> as well uh, with deep sadness that the book of Revelation for those Christians outside of this congregation, or if you're brand new, may actually feel overwhelmed to even thought of studying this book. Because over the years, many who ever heard that we're going to start the book of Revelation have a tendency to not show up and not want to hear the teaching of this book. There are three things, typically, you know, three areas in those scriptures people have a tendency to, to shy away from because of, I'll just call it fear. The book of Genesis, the book of Revelation, and the rapture. These are, seem to be the three things that people just do not want to talk about or have to ponder on in their hearts of what they really believe. Now, as we take a look at the scriptures here today, as we open up, we're only going to take three verses. It'll be amazing if I get through one verse. But we'll get through three verses in the next couple of hours, as I always say, and uh, we'll see 
set the tone because there's so much I need for you to as a as a body of believers to have a foundation laid down for so that you can build from this over the next uh, next season of uh, of Sundays in the book of Revelation. Now this can be challenging. It's probably one of the most challenging books to teach. The spiritual warfare is tremendous. And so I will take all prayer over the next several, several weeks through as we go through this book because it is very, very challenging. The enemy certainly does not want you to hear and understand his word. Remember, the book of Daniel was to be sealed until the time of the end. We see that noted in Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. But the book of Revelation is written, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. We'll see that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 10. This book is called an open book. Daniel would be called a closed book. An open book, it reveals his plans, God's plans and purposes to his church. Who's the church? You and I as believers, that is who the church is. And so this book is designed for you specifically to know and to hear the word of God. Why? Why is it so reluctant? Why is it so hesitant? Why is there such challenge and, and, and fascinated, fascination about the Bible? Well, since Calvary, the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, God has ushered in the last days. The last days is what this book is about. We see that noted in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. But we also, as a fulfilling, has hidden these purposes in this world until this time. Many things prior to Jesus' coming, many were just Mysteries. They didn't understand in the Old Testament. They were referencing this, these end times and this, this being caught up in God and second coming and all these things that speak within the, the Old Testament. They didn't understand until Jesus came. And when his resurrection happened, when the Holy Spirit came to be our helper, to dwell within you and I as a believer, everything is opening up now to these last days. The time is at hand that we will see here referenced in verse one of, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, and also in, reminded of us of, in chapter 22, verse 10. But unfortunately, this portion of the Holy Scripture clearly was given for our instruction as a church for our edification as a church. But too many of the Lord's people, too many of our brothers and sisters, permit themselves to be robbed of the blessing by ignoring or avoiding this book. I know it's a challenge. It's going to be a, a, a spiritual challenge for you because this whole, the, the enemy doesn't want you to hear the blessing that God has for you as the church. This is the only book in all of the books that gives you a blessing for doing and reading and understanding and applying what is written here. So why would the enemy want you to be blessed by God? Why would he want you, why would the enemy want you to even be remotely going, growing close to the Lord and preparing for the last days when he comes back for you and I and take us to heaven? 
Of course there's going to be spiritual warfare in your life. And he'll do everything he can do to keep you from coming here and to listening to the word of God. I know. The cat will have something happen. But you can't come to church because of the cat. Fill in the blank. But just to let you know, keep showing up regardless of how you feel. Because when you do that, you're going to be blessed by the hearing of the word of God. And we'll see that promise in verse 3. Understand, the one book of the Bible that both begins and ends with a blessing for those who read and keep what is written. There's an internal promises that God gives us through this, this book. And it's John writes this book as the Holy Spirit gave him the words to encourage you and I as, as the church. Bringing hope and comfort that we so much need in these end times because they're perilous times. These are very dark times that they were talking about at that point in time and even more today. The first century Christians were experiencing this truth of Jesus Christ and becoming overcomers because they kept their eyes on Jesus. They didn't get their eyes on the persecution that the emperor was doing at the time. It was Nero and it went to Domitian. And Domitian, he became this tyrant. It was far worse than Nero to literally persecute Christians. And this is when God uses Apostle John to write these words down, these seven visions that he needed to see what was going to be in the future. Had to give us hope. Had to give them hope. It gives us hope today. Now, when we read here through the scriptures, I'm just going to read real quick verses 1 through 3. Follow with me, and we're going to go through this. There's a lot of foundation I need to play, lay out here, but let's just read these first three verses in, of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, as we take a look at these verses, it's interesting. It was written somewhere around 95-96 A.D., that would be about 35 to 36 years after Jesus' resurrection. God uses John, the last apostle, to write down this truth. Now, when we like to look at this, this puts around John around 85 to 90 years of age. And we find that he is on the island or isle of Patmos because Domitian placed him there. Why did he put him, John on the island? Well, we know in Scripture, and in some things, but not the details, but most everything I'm about to just say is historical from, from different you know, historical fathers that just vary in detail and collaborate over the years. He, John, 
started in a church in Ephesus, which is one of the seven churches, started other churches around, which is the churches we'll be talking about over the next several Sundays. But while there, the emperor finds out that he is there and God is using him to spread the thing. They went and captured him, brought him into the Colosseum, the historians say, and to make a spectacle because all the other apostles, including Paul, were all martyred. All different ways, but terribly martyred and killed for their faith. John was still alive, and so what this wicked man did was to take him, according to the historians, and take him as a spectation in a coliseum to watch people watch his life to be killed, and lowered him down into a vat of what? Boiling oil. I heard it once said, you know what this was like when you take your turkey on Thanksgiving and you're putting it into the boiling oil and you want to have a deep fried turkey. That was supposed to be a funny. Everyone seems serious right now. It is serious because, but this is the miracle of God. As he was lowering him down into that boiler, he started raising hands up and started worshiping God and could not kill him in the boiling oil. Took him out and said, get him away from me. Take him to the Isle of Padmos, never to be seen again. That is where God placed him so that he could be still and quiet to write the book of Revelation. What you think is a horror moment is God's glory and, 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 and purpose of a tragedy turned into good for those who love him. And certainly John, the apostle John, was known for his love for his Lord. And so we see here's John, the apostle John, he writes this. He, there's a reigning over here that's taking place during this time of this Roman emperor, Domitian, about 95 AD. He is the one who obviously is, is trying to get rid of John, but then God said, I can still use John wherever he is placed by man. I can still use him. And John here is a Roman prisoner on this island, this Aegean Sea location. It's not the Hawaiian destination kind of a place. It's a very rocky place, uh, you know, uh, remote for sure but revelation we're going to find is very important book to study if there's no other reason to study this book it's because it's the capstone it's the completion of god's self-revelation to man this is it we have 66 books this is the last one there is no other scriptures and special scriptures or special books by god for his church but this one right here. So if anything, you should know what the capstone is. What is the final bookend of God's story here? And that's what the book of Revelation does. The Revelation is the book of consummation. It is a full story. It ends here. When did this story begin? Genesis chapter 1. And now we're seeing all the way to the very end, the end of the story of God in working with human the human race he created for his pleasure and for his worship. The greatest value of Revelation is what it teaches us about the future. It discloses that the world is headed in a, in a direction of devastation. 
It's devastation of a seven-year period of divine judgment that God is going to bring upon this world of unbelievers. Why? Because believers, you and I, will be raptured out prior to that. But that judgment period of seven years is going to happen and the rise of a, fi a final world leader called the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. A global government is going to be set. A global government, a global economy, a global religion or form of worship is going to be set for this period of time. It's the rise of not only the great war of Armageddon, but it's the second coming of Christ when we come back with him from heaven. The thousand-year reign will take place, as we will see during this, we'll speak of this in the, this book. And it's that thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, but it's the final judgment that will happen. But ultimately, the great news is what for you and I? The new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be great. See, Revelation tells us where this world is headed. You want to know where the world's headed? Read the book. That's why we're going to study the book. It, you know, it tells us where the world is heading and where we are headed. Those are two different destinations. So remind yourself, whatever's been taught to you previously as a Christian at other locations, I need you to come in with a fresh view of just sitting with the scriptures with me. And go verse by verse through the scriptures with me of this book. I just need you to not be filtered based on what you've done learned before. Just come in and say, Lord, just speak to me fresh from your word by just your word. And then write things down. If anything doesn't line up with what you have been taught before, what you understood, that is why you should ask me. Be a Berean, go home and study some more just by you and the Holy Spirit and the Scripture. Don't go be looking for other commentaries. Just see what the Lord is speaking to you regarding the Scripture. Revelation also is important because it reveals and reaffirms many of the great doctrines of Scripture, we will see. Revelation unveils the total depravity of man. And shows man's desperate need for the grace of God. This book will bring that to light. John believes the Old Testament scripture is the word of God. Why? Because in through this scripture of, or the book of the Revelation, we're going to find the book of Revelation is rooted in the Old Testament. This book contains 404 verses. 278 of those verses are references alluding to the Old Testament. Revelation has no direct quotations from the Old Testament, but contains a total of 550 references which appear within those 278 verses. It's almost 70%. I think it's 68.8888% if you do the math for some of you math whizzes. Revelation has a great deal to say about angels and demons. It talks more about this subject than any other book in the Bible. And one final reason to study Revelation is that it's the only book of the Bible that contains a special blessing 
for those who read it and keep the things written in it. And again, I will say that over and over and over because you do not want to miss out on the blessing of studying this book. How do we get the simple outline? Because people say, oh, it's so complex, but it's really not complex. Let me give you what John gave us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the outline of this book. Turn your eyes to verse 19 of chapter 1. In Revelation 1.19, it says, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. God commanded John to write this specifically at the start of this letter so that they could know as a, as a readers what the expectations of what he's going to be talking about. These are three distinct time periods for future generations, you and I, to understand. He says to write, therefore, the things which you have seen. The vision, that's going to be chapter one. That is the things which John's day, his day, at that moment when he was writing, there on that island. Things that had already taken place included the visions of Christ, Jesus in his glorified body. The reality of the resurrected Jesus. He speaks of that and emphasizes that here in chapter 1. Then the things which are, or what is now, the churches. Those are ch that would be chapters 2 and 3. 2 and 3 is all about the churches. Referencing the church age that we are in right now. And it's in this church age, which started at the day of Pentecost and continues to the present day, which is today. Jesus gives seven letters or messages to the seven churches in Asian Minor. And we'll talk a lot about that over the next few Sundays. But it's these letters outline the condition of the churches in John's day. But they also view and can be viewed in a figurative sense of a modern day church as well as individual believers such as you and I in regards to our state of our spiritual state and our relationship with him. It lays out the chronological growth of church history from the beginning. We'll spend a lot of time in chapters two and three. The third part of, the, of this book is outlined in that third en en uh, element that he gives here in verse 19. It's the things which will take place later or after this. After what's this? After the church age. After we get raptured, the church age ends. It's what happens after that. We will see that verse chapters 4 through 22. And when we get to chapter 4, you will see, we'll talk about the churches. Once we get to chapter 4, the church is never mentioned again. That's important notes for you note-takers. And as we go through this book, you should have note-taking with you. You should have a pen and paper. and You should be starting to scratch down some key things that the Lord is going to show you. So chapters, it is talking about the future. Again, chapter 1 is all about the vision. Chapter 2 and 3 is all about the churches. Chapters 4 through 22 is all about the future. And it's in these chapters that we'll cover yet to be revealed 
from the end of the church age and then beyond into the establishment of the new, the new heaven and the new earth. And all of what he's, he says, this is what you need to know for this period of time. Now let's talk a little bit more about chapters 4 through 22. For you note-takers, I'm going to break it down even more. Chapters 4 and 5 is the church is raptured and taken to heaven for a seven-year period of time. It's called the honeymoon for the bride of Christ, the church, you and me. It's a honeymoon for us. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's a time for celebration. Hello? Are you with me? We're going to see, and it's all about Jesus glorified in heaven. It's all that's what chapters 4 and 5 is about. So I'll get you through 1 through 3, and I'll get you through 4 and 5. You're still excited. That's when everybody starts getting itchy, is when we get into chapter 6. Because when you get to chapter 6 through 19, the tribulation occurs on earth as God pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejected or rejecting sinful world. So we're going to see Jesus glorified in heaven, verse chapters 4 and 5. We're going to see the judgment on earth, chapters 6 through 19. And then we get to chapter 19. Oh, it gets good again. Just hang through those chapters. Because when we get to chapter 19, it's the end of that 19, chapter 19, that the Lord comes back to Jerusalem, sets his feet on the Mount of Olives where he ascended to. He's coming right back down to the same spot, but this time we're coming back with them. Don't forget the white horses and the white, the white out suit, man, that we're going to be wearing. It's going to be great. But we're going to come back, and that's his second coming. And we'll talk about that. Chapter 20 is the millennium. It's that thousand year period of peace and prosperity that follows as the Lord rules and reigns. As the Lord rules and reigns. The King of kings, the Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the one that's going to be ruling from Jerusalem. And we're going to help him rule during that period of time. And it's at the end of the millennium, Satan is loosed once again to come against those who are not, who, are, who got uh, born during that period of millennium and will be tested to see, will you follow Satan or will you follow Jesus? Because everyone will be tested who you will, who you will trust, who you will believe in. Even those during that thousand year reign where someone are born during that period of time. And those who got saved during that period. I mean, there's going to be some testing that's going to go through that. And then finally, chapters 21 to 22, we're going to see the new heaven and new earth is created. And it is there in that period what we call the eternal state that we will finish. Now notice the name is the revelation. It's singular. It's one blessed continuation, manifestation of God's unique son. The anointed prophet, the, the anointed priest, the anointed king is all about one person. Who is that? Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to find clearly as we look at this, not only does 
it's all about him, but he's actually writing it to and about him. It's God is literally revealing who he is through this whole book. It's the end of the story. Remember, the Bible is all about Jesus from the very beginning to the very end. You must know that, and you must keep that in mind. Why? Because Revelation is the crowning book of the Bible. Now, here's the warning that we see. If you go and look at Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 19, I'll read it for you. We see this is a warning for you and I. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. I don't know about you, but I listen to God's warnings. Be obedient to God's warnings. We are not going to add or delete from his word. Amen? You see what happens? I, I, you should have tremendous prayer for those who have decided to walk away from the word of God or to add to the word or change the word of God. That, that warning is, is right there for them. That's why we don't do that. We just stick verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Today is absolutely focused on Jesus. Now, since so much controversy has risen from the interpretation of the book of Revelation, it is helpful for you and I to have time to bring through the different viewpoints that people have about the book of Revelation. Some viewpoints that never read it. That is absolutely wrong. Any church that says we don't study the word, the book of Revelation, and I don't encourage you to read the book of Revelation, you know you should not be there or listen or even come, even come close to that teacher. That is against the word of God. I wouldn't even, I don't care how much tradition, how much you love that building, how much you stayed at that building, and all the people, you can have five generations going to that church. You should not, as a believer, be in that church. When someone tells you not to read the book of Revelation. Bad, 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 bad. But there is four, I'll just touch on four. There's, like everything else, everyone has a shade of color just so they can write their books. But let me give you the four different viewpoints or eschatology viewpoints on the book of Revelation. Eschatology means what? The study of end times. So there are four prominent end times views in regards to the book of Revelation. The first one I'll talk about is the preterist view. This is called the past view. It's those believe that Revelation deals only with the church in John's day period. It doesn't talk about anything of modern day that we hear with us today. They have a viewpoint that the book of Revelation was fulfilled by the time Jerusalem was destroyed by A.D. 70. And they believe that's all it is, has no value of today. Wow, I, do, I don't get that. Because all I have to do is mention one major event and tell me how they justify that. If I told you the one major event, you would know it as well. It doesn't fit their view. And that is Christ's physical reign on earth has not happened yet. It has not happened yet. So when they say the book of Revelation was already fulfilled, that's what they're telling me based on what we read in the book of Revelation. Well, that Jesus came back and is reigning on this earth. He has not. 
If this is heaven on earth now, if Jesus has come back and he's ruling reign, there is something wrong. It's impossible. Are you with me? The second view. This is the more intellectual type. You usually go with this. And that's the historical view. The present view, that is, the approach we believe that Revelation is a sweeping kind of panorama view of all the church history, and that's all it is, and it's a historical approach, and, and we just kind of look at the church age, and it's not anything about the future. It's just about the church age today, and we'll just, I love history, we'll just focus on the history, we'll stay right now, let's stay in the present. Let's not talk about the future. Why? Because you can avoid the consequences if you're not a believer. You don't have to face what you can't get your head around because you haven't studied it because you want to stick just in the present. Why? Because many churches today believe there is no rapture. There is no going to heaven. There is nothing other than this is, this is the kingdom on earth already. So we got to create our own little kingdom we got to get in charge of the politic world. we got to get in charge of the economic world. we got to get in charge of every aspect of social gathering. Because this is all there is to life, is right now. How depressing. How hopeless is that? Are you with me? But that's what their view is. It's that historical view. The revelation is full of symbols that only apply now. Nothing about the future. Then you've got the other group who says, I don't want to talk about the past. I don't want to talk about the present. I just want to just live like nothing's happening. And, and so, and so it's, almost, it's what we call the allegory view, that timeless. Let's just not talk about anything, please. Just can we get, get along? It's this approach that Revelation is a book full of pictures and symbols, and it's just interesting, and, and, and it makes me feel good, and, 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 it just, and it makes me feel really bad, so I don't talk about it and read that part. It's just about a personal in, inflection, of, of, a way of just reflecting of your life. It holds this view. But you have, if you, once we get through this book, you realize if you have that view of just this, this personal meaning, it's just a personal meaning thing. It doesn't have effect of anything else, past, present. It's just the dealing with this good and evil within myself and within. You're missing the fact that there's prophecy of revelation all the way from the Old Testament into the New. You're completely ignoring the scripture. You probably don't read the Bible if you have this view. Then there's the right view. <laughs> the futurist view. What you believe. And this approach believes that the beginning of with the first four chapters deals with the past, just like the preterist, with the present, the historical view of what we're dealing with today, but the rest from chapter 4 all the way to 22 is dealing with the future. That has not happened yet. It's prophecy. And it's that time when we look at this, it's in the futurist view that the Revelation is a book mainly describing the end times. It's things that have not happened yet. And that's what makes people really squirrely about studying this book. 
because you want concrete facts. Give me the guaranteed. What does this mean? Just hang on. We're going to help you through this. So the question is, which approach is correct? The futurist. Or for some of you to be more delicate, I'll say it's each one is true in some regard. Is it not? The book of Revelation speaks of John's day. Yes, it does. It does speak to the church history. Yes, it does. And it does have meaning to our personal life and apply to us personally. Yes, it does. So all the elements of the first three approaches are all part of our approach, which is the futurist approach. But we guarantee what we talk about is all about the end times, and that's what it's all about. Now, one more point. Revelation is written in symbolic language. We must remember that these symbols are of literal realities. They're, rea they're what was the word I just said? L literal realities. That cannot be spiritualized or dismissed as non-literal events. Because many will read this book and say they're just symbols and they're, they're not real. They're just symbolization and we can spiritualize and contemplate and spiritualize and really get into our navel kind of moment here of meditation and think of... No, this is not a spiritual. This is real events that the Holy Spirit gave to John to write down for the church to know what the future is going to be in the end times. The challenge John had is that he literally just used words that he understood at that time. Because these things he's never seen before. He's trying to describe something that he's never seen before. And so he's using symbols and things that they knew of that day to describe what he was seeing. But they're literal events that will be taking place. They're not some spiritualization kinds of stuff of dealing. Oh, isn't that fun to, to have that nice little word pictured to describe evil and good and evil? No, no. These are literal events. So I say that because I need you to keep that as a foundation. As we go through these chapters, these are real events, even if we do not fully understand what it is. Are you with me? Now we start. Chapter 1. Verse 1. Told you it's going to take me a while to get through this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So in this Greek word, revelation, is a, a, what we get our word ap apocalypse. The Greek word is apocalypse. It, it means to a revealing or unveiling. What is the book of Revelation unveiling to you and I as a church body? What is God trying to unveil to you and I? Who Jesus Christ is. The revelation, the apocalypse 
the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the fullness of who he is and what he's going to do. He is the one great theme through this entire book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it was written, the revelation from Jesus Christ, as we will see, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, the Father, gave him, Jesus Christ, to show who? His servants, the church, you and I, what? Things which must shortly take place. Now I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. 1900 years. That's short? Yes. In God's view, it's short. But for you and I, it's even shorter than John's day. They expected, the church body expected Jesus to return. They had an expected expectancy of his return. Every day, he, they were looking up thinking he was coming back from the clouds. God sent that to show you and I today. We're supposed to look up every day and expecting our Jesus to come back and take us out of here. So 1,900 years have passed. We know now historically we can see the scripture coming, prophecy being fulfilled more and more and more all the way through to present day. We're so close for him to come back for us. But that's what he was writing here. He was a revelation of the, of the revelation of Jesus Christ who sent it. How? <coughs> we see right here. He sent it by an angel. To how? He was the messenger, the deliverer, to give to the servant John. To show his servants, the church. He was supposed to write this and share it with his, the churches, the seven churches, <coughs> of the coming things that would happen. It's, this is Jesus' revelation to you. He's speaking to you and me. It belongs to him. He is the one doing the revealing. It's also Jesus' revelation in the sense that he is the object of what is being revealed. Jesus is the person revealed by this book. So when we sometimes passively say, do you know Jesus even more? Are you getting deeper in your relation with your relation with Jesus? Do you know him more today than compared to yesterday? That's our drive, is always to go deeper in our relationship with him, and this book is going to drive you deeper in that relationship with him. So the important reason why God gave the revelation of Jesus Christ is he gave it to show you and I, us the servants, God gave this revelation that it might show not hidden, not apocrypha, but to open book for you and I to grow in our relation and understanding of who he is. And these things are going to take place shortly, he says. That means this book is a, a predictive prophecy. It's a predictive. It speaks of the things that will happen in the future. Not all prophecies are predictive. But this prophetic book clearly is predictive. It's a talking about the future times. It describes the things which must shortly take place. It's the time is near. Some would say that we should not be concerned about with this prophecy. 
that's just an exercise. It's just an interesting book that may go as far as that, that, what they describe. But let me keep it very simple. If God had this book written down for you and I, it's been tested over time, why would you think if God is concerned about telling you about what's happening in the future, why would we dismiss that and say, I don't want to really care about the future? It doesn't make sense, does it? We should be concerned with the things that God is concerned with. When John says these things must shortly take place, what does that really mean? How short is that time? But if you know the language, it's not talking about the time distance. It's talking about when these things happen, it will happen shortly, or in the Greek, will happen suddenly. That's the key word here. So when these things start to take place and they start seeing, when you start seeing these things, understand when they do happen, it's going to happen suddenly. Quickly. We see other references in the scriptures. Do we not talk about the fact that it's like birth pangs? It starts, you start seeing, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable. Oh, did the baby kick? No, that was your... Husband, that was, your, that was your dinner you cooked me last night. That's what that was. But eventually you know it is really labor because all of a sudden things are starting to change and move. And you can, but what happens? Does it slowly, comfortably take you through and you have the birth? And you're like, oh, I didn't even feel that birth. Did you? No, 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 no. The intensity gets more and more and more frequently, and you start timing going, sweetheart, how far was between those contractions? Oh, I think that was, oh, that was, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're supposed to be tracking it. Something's going to happen. And it's going to happen suddenly. That's what it's talking about here. Jesus is coming back. And it will happen once it, when everything starts, like God's perfect timing, it's going to happen suddenly. The rapture is not a drawn-out parade. It is a twinkle of an eye. So fast you can't even blink it, and we're out of here. You have no time to prepare. You need to be prepared now. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or you do not? Do you believe if, if the rapture happened, there's no question in your mind that you will be in that rapture and be caught up in the heaven, in the clouds with your Lord. If you're going, I don't know, get right with Jesus today. Because when it shortly takes place, it suddenly takes place, you will not have a chance. You'll miss out on the rapture. It's like, are you getting on the plane? I don't know. I think I'm getting on the plane. Do you have a ticket? No, I don't have a ticket. But I'm thinking about getting on the plane. Then you're not getting on the plane. Get the ticket. It's free. It's been handed to you. You just have to take possession of the ticket. See, he sent and he signified this all by using a messenger called an angel. He says he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. And it describes how the message is delivered by Jesus Christ 
to a, a message, hey, take this to John, my servant John, because he's going to take that and he's going to give it to the servants of the church. The signs. The signs are necessary because John expresses things that he can't even explain. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, 4. He, the, he heard with inexpressible words. He couldn't even put it to he, he express that. And this was Paul. The magnitude, the magnificence of what heaven looked like. But John describes things as he sees them here, and it's because that God gave to this angel and says, here's the things I need you to give John. And then John sees these seven visions, these numerous symbolic word pictures that are max, and it's just all about human history and the future, what's going on. And John is trying to get his head around this and write this to make sure the servants, the people in the church, understood what was the future going to be like. And it's through these seven visions, the fulfilling of everything of the first 65 books of the Bible is all coming to head right here on the 66th book. And we see the fact that this angel, with many signs, many visions of the book of Revelation, came to John because he needed to understand clearly as the last apostle to speak out to the to what God wanted to do to the churches and to you and I today the clarity of the end times or what the future is for you and I as a church body and he says here who bore witness to the word of God these are key words because we see that John knew this book was holy scripture he refers to the scripture that he was given to him as the word of God, the God's word itself. This is not man's words. This is not made up by a bunch of scholarly men. These are literally the words, the holy scripture that is given to him. And he makes that note for you and I to have confidence that what we're about to read and study is from God. This is not from anybody else. It's the word of God. We often wonder if the apostles knew, if they knew what they were writing, that they, when they started writing these letters, did they really know that it was really Holy Scripture? Have you ever asked that question? John's sitting there. I mean, he, read, he, he wrote the, the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Now he's writing this. How, did he really know that this was literally God's words given to him to put on paper? He did, because it just validates right here. This is the word of God. This is not his words. So many people say, oh, they're just a bunch of people who wrote things and they put it together over time to kind of help pacify people through the Roman terror and all these other things. No, those people who talk like that are non-believers and who do not understand the scripture. Because right here's a perfect example. John knew this was the word of God. It is his holy scripture that he was writing down. To do what? To share among the servants, among the saints, among within the church body. Those seven churches we will talk about. He knew it was the holy scripture because he calls it a revelation from God. He knew it came from the Father, through Jesus, and not just a mere human being writing it down. He knew it was Holy Scripture because he calls it the Word of God. And an Old Testament prophet 
would say he also calls it the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he's speaking to the Jewish mindset, the Gentile mindset. He's making sure God is making sure he's covering it. So everyone's attention. This is so important for you to know. Question for you. Do you know how important it is for you to read and study this word? Do you know that? Because I need you to get that. If you're not there yet, it's okay. Keep showing up regardless of how you feel. But I need you to get there to say, reading the word of God is lifeline for me. There is nothing else more important than the reading of the word and studying it and applying it to my life. Why is this important, this book right here? Verse 3, we kept referring to it early on. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Notice this, a blessing. The book of Revelation offers a particular unique blessing to you and to me as a pastor. Notice the language here. Blessed to those who read I'm reading it to you because in those days they took the letters, they took the 22 chapters and they sat there or they stood and the guy who taught sat and read all 22 chapters. Oh, how would you like that on a Sunday? I'm willing, I'm not sure you are. But the word says, the person who is going to sit and read this letter to you, the church, or the seven churches, to the church, you and I today, the person who reads all this letter will be blessed. And those who listen, who showed up and sat down and listened all 22 chapters of it, is not drudgery. That would not be painful. That's not the worst thing in your mind you would ever, ever want to do. No, it would be a blessing for you to sit and hear the word of God read to you. But notice the next part of that verse is very important. You're not just being hearers of the word of God. You must be a what? A doer. Notice he uses the word, keep those things which are written in it. This verse right here, note for you Bible teachers, Bible studiers, Bible push, pencil pushers here. This is the first of seven Beatitudes of Revelation. Yes, the Beatitudes of Revelation. Revelation 1.3, 4.13, 6.15, 99, 26, 22.7, 22.14, got it? Okay, we'll start with just one. Chapter 1, verse 3. You have to show up for the rest of those. <laughs> you know, when I study this, one of the best things I love at this thing, and this is where we'll wrap it up here, is the fact that I'm so thankful. John did not say in the scripture here, didn't say that we had to understand everything the book of Revelation to be blessed. You don't have to understand it all to be blessed. You're blessed because you come, regardless how you, you feel, and you sit and listen 
and you want to do what the scripture says. That is how you're blessed. Yes, there's some difficult things in this book. They may not all be understood by the time we're done. But one of the things that is so clear is that God reveals things and then hindsight prophecy, when you look back, it makes total sense. And I don't know about you, as you see what's happening in today, when you read, when we go through this book, you're like, how could that happen? Think about it. 1900 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or 900 years ago, or just 700 years ago, or 100 years ago. How would the word get out to the entire, how would the, everyone in the entire world see Jesus? Every single one of you go, I know now. I see the potential of how that could happen. God can use an angel and go fly, do a flyover. As your little remote jungle experience that you're on for vacation. Or you can use what we call internet today. Satellite capability to touch anywhere in the world. So as we go through this, we're going to not look at it so much from our own understanding. We're just going to let God work through us through the scriptures today. But we must keep those things. The book of Revelation gives us so much more information for the prophetic speculation. It gives us things to keep and to guard. That's what it means to keep, is to guard ourselves. It's, again, it will change the way you live when you study this book. It should change the way you live for Christ when you read this book. Don't let that scare you. It should be making you really happy. Because right now, you're not living for Christ. As much as you say you think you are. The book will reveal that to you. Let the Holy Spirit do that fresh work. Because the prophecy is clear. It will be like a cleansing element in your life as a believer. Things that are you are holding on to of this world and the flesh, it will be permeated out. It will just float away, disappear. It will become less and less important to you. John writes it this way, and it speaks of this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. He says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when, we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's what John was talking about in 1 John chapter 3, and now he's talking about here. This will purify your life when you've got stuff in your life is not good. It's not jiggy. It's got to go. Let it go. Why? Because God wants to do a fresh work in you. There is coming an end to this sinful story of the human race. This life of chaos is coming to an end. And it's that story is described in Revelation of what it's going to look like during the end. And, but don't forget, it concludes with a brand new heaven and earth. Everything is going to be better. Great. Perfect. 
that's the end of the story. Don't forget where our home is, where it's going to be. We'll be with Christ back here on this earth. Sin will be eradicated. This darkness that's going on around this world, it's going to be eradicated. It's going to be gone. Internal, the eternal, the long-term, forever blessings will follow and for those who are saved in Christ. All the promises of eternal life are only for those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Not because you joined a church, not because you say you're a Christian. No, do are you born again? That is the, that is the key. That's the question for you. As we go into this blessing as a, as a church, are you saved in Christ? If you're not, today's the day for salvation. Give your life to Jesus. Call upon his name. He will hear you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your blessing of the start of this new, our favorite book. As you reveal yourself, Lord Jesus, you reveal yourself to us through this, this book, through your scriptures, the Holy Scriptures. I pray it will be a purging time. Yes, that's not easy. Yes, we know, Lord. As your spirit convicts us, oh, that's not always comfortable. It's not easy. It's sometimes very grieving. But I pray for we would receive that because you come right along and encourage us and cleanse us and freeze us from anything, especially if we're non-believers, Lord, we want them to be a believer today. And they would be free from their bondage. So I pray right now as eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If anyone wants to give their life to Jesus Christ this morning. So they will know without a shadow of a doubt. They are saved. I pray right now. You're touching their heart. You're knocking at the door of their heart. Hearts beating. And they know without a question that you're speaking to their heart right now. I pray that they will surrender their life to you absolutely without a shadow of a doubt or hesitation or reservation they will give their life to you right now and if you would please raise your hand I won't call you out I just want to know who God touched and is knocking at your heart and those online let us know later send a message to us that you gave your life to Jesus we want to know we'll send you something to help you in your growth but here in this sanctuary if anyone's being touched by the Holy Spirit right now raise your hand I want to know who God is touching. God bless you up front. Anybody else? Make sure your hand's high enough so I can see, so I can, I can know who I'm praying for. God bless you over there. I see up front. Ah, I know the Lord. You can put your hands down. God bless you. Anybody else? The Lord's touching your heart. Don't hold back. <laughs> Just take a st that step of faith to Jesus. And be set free from your bondage. Anybody else? All right. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for touching the hearts of those who raised their hand. And maybe those who didn't want to raise their hand. But in their heart, they were, they were crying out to you and surrendering all to you. They want you to come into your life, their life. They confessed that they're a sinner and needs to be saved. They confessed they can do nothing apart from you. And they know they cannot have eternal life 
apart from you. And I pray right now as you have touched their heart and they're accepting you in their minds right now, accepting you as the Lord and Savior, I pray you will come in, seal them for eternity, and Holy Spirit, have your way of cleansing and changing their life from inside out. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen.